G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast, where we talk all things nutrition, psychology, training and performance to get the best out of you that we can. Now, This episode, I have absolutely no idea where it's going to go. I have a few things that I want to touch on based on what I can assume you followed if you're around my social medias, and that is around data tracking and emotions. Now, there is something to be said for distorted behavior, for psychological problems, for neuroticisms, neuroticies, for psychopathy, all of these issues that have genuine criteria of diagnosis and spectrums of behavior that people can engage in or that they display or exhibit and the problems that come with those when it comes to your lifestyle, to your life in general, to uh, debilitating things around you, people around you, your overall life, your career, your job, what have you. Now, the point I'm going to kind of allude to is the misapplied emotional interpretation that comes from data tracking that isn't really seen in the data. So we have this strange connotation that there is a moral or philosophical application to data that exists when we track it or when we try to follow it, that there are good or bad, right or wrong amounts of information to recruit or to consume, to keep, to keep tabs on, to track, to analyze and it's coming through the the fitness industry as a detrimental or negative behavior, but it doesn't quite make sense when we look overall at what we're trying to achieve and how we're trying to do it. So a quick rundown. We've got a lot of people in this space. If we look at inside the, the coaching realm itself, there are a multitude of, of, of fields or realms that come under the one umbrella. Though we call it coaching or fitness coaching or training or uh PT and personal training, if you will. Generally, we'll say, we'll say coaching. Under the umbrella of coaching, there exists a lot of different niches and realms. Now, to the degree that we've spoken about before on other podcasts or, or content, there is what you might refer to as the general population. Now, that to me is everyone from under the bell curve who has absolutely no desire or no interest in uh, training, in growing muscle, in dropping body fat, reducing body composition. The the general population are looking to simply move a little bit more and be a little bit healthier. Maybe they've got a message from someone outside of their immediate friend group. Maybe they've got a family member, maybe a doctor, something like that expressed to them that perhaps they should lose some weight, get a little bit healthier, improve their blood pressure, reduce their blood glucose level or something like that. And so they are purely generally trying to move or exhibit some behaviors that will be overall healthier. with absolutely no idea or context of what's going on outside of that. Now, if that's you, I'm going to save you a lot of money. Move more than you sit. Sleep seven to nine hours a night. Try to consume more lean protein. Eat more vegetables or fruit relatively at every meal. Basically stick to the Australian dietary guidelines where possible and increase your protein portion intake. Get some sort of physical cardio that may put you in a higher zone of uh, heart rate to improve aerobic capacity reduce risks like heart failure or heart diseases. And from there, 
maybe consume more water and consume less processed foods and less uh, alcohol and watch the inevitable health consequences that come. Now, the the issue, the, the, the agreement I can give is that that doesn't really require data tracking. What I will suggest is that tracking weight is necessary there at some degree, knowing that things are progress, progressing downwards. At some degree, some form of tracking metric will be required. Now, you can say that that data isn't required for that. That's fine. Progress photos, check-in, like taking self-awareness photos, ownership photos, um, measurements, clothing. Even if you're looking at what clothes fit you now, to a degree, if you are finding, hey, that size 40 pants is now starting to, to fit and I've got about an inch left uh, of room when I used to be too tight or I couldn't even put it on. Okay, you're tracking the progression until you fit into those pants. So just because it's not a, it's, it's not a, a, a data point metric like a number doesn't mean that we can't use some form of assessment and metric analysis to keep moving forward. Now, to imply that that is neurotic to me or that that contains a net negative behavior blows my mind. If, if we are seeing that people are becoming too sensitized or too sensitive to the indication that they aren't progressing, that they aren't going forward and therefore what whatever we're doing isn't quite working yet, it it doesn't comprehend in my head that that can make sense. I can't logically map out how that works. And I am the first person to say I understand everything or as much around anxiety, anxiety triggers and stimulus, stress responses emotional attachments, all these things that come with the psychological association of training and exercise. I get it. I get that stuff. If you look at what I'm studying, I can pretty confidently say that I understand it more than most people in this realm uh, to most degree. However, there is still going to be some sort of physical assessment to, to determine to us that what we are doing is working because we are seeing pretty clearly that there are people who aren't working. There are things that aren't working and you're being reinforced with the same behaviors and the same thing told over and over again, paying someone the same amount of money every week, yet nothing is changing. And you've potentially learned a few behaviors that may support you down the track. That's great because behavior change is a fundamental process and part of sustaining weight loss and sustaining goals and, and achieving outcomes that you desire to get. But if we're not tangibly tracking something, even in that realm, then how the hell do we know something's working? Now, it's weird that it, we call that gen pop, right? We call that, you can refer to that as gen pop and saying that just simply want to lose weight, even like all that sort of stuff. We can track something tangibly to try and tell that we're on the right track and we're progressing. Now, there are there's a camp of people that somehow look at even this simplicity as neurotic or detrimental or dangerous, that placing ownership on someone who has a goal, who has a tangible outcome they want to achieve, that tr keeping track of that is somehow neurotic. Now, the second we swap fields or realms, that same perception or understanding isn't expected as the outcome. If I went to a mechanic and had to fix my car and they said, we actually don't want to track the progress of this job. We're not going to tell you when it should be done. We're not going to tell you about the parts that are broken. We're not going to tell you how much fuel it needs. We're not going to tell you how much oil we put in, but we're going to charge you. But we're not going to tell you any of that. We're not going to do anything there with that you would be very irritated. You'd be understandably frustrated. You want to know what's going on. Is the car progressing? Is the timeline moving up? Are we on the right track? Do I need to get more things for my car? Do I need a new car? Is it broken? Can I fix it? What do I do with it? Is it a simple part that can be replaced? Is it just a few behavior changes in my the way I drive my car that could probably help sustain it for a little while longer? 
getting those answers gives you an indication of what's happening. And now you can progress. You can now improve or you can be better with the way you handle your car. You can put the right fuel in it. You can put a better oil in it. You can put a better coolant in it. All these things that now help you operate the car better. Let's change another field. You go to a builder. Let's say that you have a house that you're building. It's got, it, on paper, it's probably going to cost you about three quarters of a million dollars. And you get to the job and the builder is doing, there is not a single plan in sight. There's not a single uh, point that you can look to or point to and say, this is what we're up to. There is not a, a foundational basis laid for what the point of the building is supposed to look like. We don't know how it's going to finish. We don't know if it's one story or three. We don't know the building materials, the cost of those materials. We're just simply saying, hey, this is progressing and this is what we're going to do with the job. Okay, so how are we keeping tabs of the, the progression of the of the the job we're trying to con conclude to to finish? How are we tracking that? What metrics are we using to say that we're on the right track? If a builder gave you that scenario, you would go elsewhere straight away. You would be looking for someone else to give you more specifics and tangibles on the money you're investing, on the 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 job that you want completed, and that's only your house. You know, there's a like you can replace a house. You can't really replace your body. Now we can cross another realm and we can go to finance. If an accountant told you to simply just start manifesting your money and say that you're going to just intuitively know to stop spending when you've got a debilitating spending habit, when they're going to tell you, hey, you spent 30 years spending money this way, in order to get this house, I just want you to stop spending. You're just simply going to save more money and spend less money earn more money, spend less money. How does that work? How does that make sense in someone's head? If you've never had, if you have no financial literacy or you've never had a history of being educated in finance, that you're just going to intuitively pick up, this is how I spend some, I save money and spend less. Well, you can save, like it's great you say save more money, but if I don't have the understanding of why I'm losing so much money or I don't have a budget or a template to work off or a basis of a budget to work off, what should it look like? How much should I save each week? What am I doing with my bills? How often should I pay them? What proportion should I, should I pay them? How do I improve my interest rates or get a new loan on my house or my car? All these things. You don't just somehow suddenly understand those concepts and go, oh, that's right. I'm, that's what I'm doing. Now I'm saving 20% every week. That you would, as a period of time, track, track, the expenditure of your finances, look at how much is going out, look at what you're spending those things on, start to assess yourself and take ownership of the decision, the fact that you have spent that money and then start to reassess where that money can be spent elsewhere or how can I save or achieve the same outcome for less cost. So, you know, can I stop spending? And I'm so sick of seeing when we look at, uh, you know, millennial generational or whatever the next generation is and they say that it's it's uh, condescending to say stop buying so much coffee out if you're in a financially stru struggled position and you look at your assessments and then from there you can understand that you are spending 60 or 70 or 80 dollars a week on luxury coffees yet you apparently can't buy a 20 dollar tub of coffee at home that will give you 400 users you work that out across the space of two months, you've now got hundreds upon hundreds of dollars that you weren't spending. So yes, those coffees do start to add up. It's not just the coffee you're now longer not buying. It's the value and return of the same product to get the same job without needing to spend as much money. Now, knowing that, you start to get a better appreciation understanding of what your finance is doing. Now work that out across fuel. Can I be more efficient with where I drive? Can I be more efficient with the way I drive? Can I get a more financially sustainable car? 
Okay, from there, let's look at our, our finances in the house, the bills that we have. It, are we leaving uh, lights on for too long? Are we using too much water? What is the what is the interest rates? Can we get the, the finances reassessed on our mortgage? All those things now, because I'm taking ownership of my decisions and my choices and keeping track and auditing the outcomes of that spending, I can now review things and make adjustments or changes to what I'm going to do next in order to improve the, the deficit of my spending and the surplus of my saving. We're going to spend, we're going to learn how I'm to spend less. And also how can I save more by doing things slightly different or looking to increase my income from uh, applying for a raise? Can I get a different job? Can I upskill somewhere and put some money to use? Now I have leverage. Now I have options. Now I have choices. Now all of that is a consequence of taking ownership of my decisions and looking at what I've been doing or what I'm spending. So my outgoings and trying to figure out how to better do what better use my incomings. That is simple use of data with no emotion to it. There is no moral outcome here. There's no moral association of good or bad, right or wrong. If you remove the emotion and you remove the association that you have somehow subjectively and arbitrarily created around that specific piece of information, you now have a tool at your disposal to help you achieve a specific outcome. That is literally all data tracking is in this realm. It is so demonized for some specific reason. When we look at the actual data of people that have these so-called uh, associative issues and these, these associated disorders and things like that, they are the, they are the outliers, they're the abnormality. They are not the bell curve of most people because most people don't simply just possess a, a neurotisy or a, 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 a psychological issue or disorder around tracking data, around keeping tabs on something, around structuring their life and setting up routines and habits. If you're simply just, I, I, it can't even make sense to me that we can rationalize that that tracking itself must cause all these problems. Wherever we, when if that would be the case, we would see psychological damage associations, distorted behaviors, and obsessive tracking of of outgoings, of income, of fuel, of food of relationships, we would see the cross-field cross traits outside just fitness coaching. We would see the association that exists or the cross-correlations that would exist in other realms or fields from the same people. Generally, not the case. You can consciously learn to track your food, learn to track your data, keep tabs of information on yourself and not instantly develop an associated or debilitating behavior or disorder. It is not mutually, uh, sorry, it is not a causation or a direct causation. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio of, of causality. That's not how it works. We're not seeing an immediate correlate, a causation here directly from the data that says you track some information, now you have this. There is simply things like personality types that have to come into equation. Is someone not, the, <laughs> the implication that someone is automatically neurotic based on the fact they want to track some information is illogical considering we also have what is called high uh, conscientiousness which is one of the big five personality traits which is a lot more in industriousness and task orientation so if you are looking at someone who is more number driven data driven they understand metrics they want to track things they want to keep things in, in routines in boxes they want to achieve specific outcomes they're going to use the metrics available to them they're going to track them that is not someone who's obsessive compulsive or neurotic or they have a debilitating disorder that is simply someone who has a personality trait and that is to keep tabs of information. Now, fair enough, there is a certain argument that can be made for us to stop 
tracking things that don't need to be tracked. For a lot of people, there is a, a million metrics you don't need to worry about. Males probably shouldn't track their menstrual cycle. You know, things of that nature where it's just unnecessary to keep information of. And that's going to reduce the stimulus or trigger to these so-called debilitating behaviors. However, if it's if the argument is that taking ownership of the choices you are making by weight tracking, by step tracking, by training logbooks, by nutritional tracking, if that is the only premise or grounds we have to determine that something is going to be neurotic or creating these disorders, it's very convenient that it's specifically around what should be creating your ownership and what you're taking ownership of and what the outcomes of those of those choices are because conveniently those those things interact and all have a relationship where we can see where one affects the other and perhaps you aren't as honest as you think you are you aren't tracking properly you are you didn't just have that one beer on the weekend where you have your the 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 slip-ups or the the mistakes perhaps or the the uh, off the plan decisions we can pick up on that in the data, yet that's the data we apparently shouldn't be tracking. That's too much. It's obsessive. It's it's detrimental in nature. Where we're not really seeing that as much as being claimed. Now, teaching someone, here's another, I guess, premise to this data argument. In the same token that we are trying to argue for creating nutritional literacy, for creating ownership, for creating uh, activity, increased activity, if someone doesn't know something, we can't just automatically assume that they have subconscious or implicit memory. They haven't just gone from no activity or no interaction to automatic converted long-term memory storage. That's not how it works. You didn't just pick up a bike and start riding on your own 60 miles an hour and know about an eyelid. That just didn't happen. You didn't just pick up a basketball at five years old and instantly know how to shoot a three-pointer. That isn't the way that skills or abilities or memory recall or implicit memory works, procedural memory works. It's just not the game. It's not how that happens. If we want people to enhance their nutritional literacy, learn how to eat better, understand more about what's on their plate, learn to look at food slightly differently as you know, looking at the nutritional quality and the content, looking at the total intake, because if we left everyone to their own devices, which we've done before, we wouldn't have obesity issues. We wouldn't have... This well, this intuitive argument that tracking is wrong and it's detriment, it's causing these 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 problems and these bad behaviors and it's causing all these net negative neurotic outcomes. When people like if we if we just looked at the population and saw how people intuitively eat without education, we can see there is an obese population. That is generally the truth. So, the idea is not to drill into someone that to track every single metric of all time forever until they die. The point is we are teaching, even if someone doesn't want to be an elite athlete, even if someone doesn't want to be uh, a pro bodybuilder, pro powerlifter, a strong man, a professional gridiron player, uh, an Olympic sprinter, if you don't want to be those things, that's great. You just simply want to learn how to eat better. Exposure to that situation and learning how to do it is the best way to do it. At, a, at some point, you need to take ownership of what's going on in your plate and then into your mouth. Being aware of that data and saying, hey, you know what, at this says that you're having 2,500 calories and your weight's shooting up. You're either having more than 2,500 calories or you're in a state of a surplus and therefore we need to control that and reduce it. Oh, well, also I wasn't honest about the extra donuts I was having or the extra pizza or the extra syrup or the extra cake or the extra spreads that went on my bread. Okay, so there's an extra, say, 500 calories a day. That's 3,500 calories in a week. What do we do about this? 
okay, let's find a way that we can include some of these foods that you enjoy, take back some of the amount and perhaps decrease the, the total uh, volume of it. And we might be in a bit more of a controllable fashion. Oh, so you've learned how to include some of the food you like. Okay, what else can we do? Well, can we increase your protein intake to at least offset some of the issues that come with low protein? Or if you're training, we can increase your recovery rate. Okay, so we're getting some more protein. Cool, that's some bare minimums. What else are we looking for? Well, we should probably increase some overall vegetable intake. Okay, how do I know how much? We're looking for, say, five serves of, fruit, uh, of vegetables and two serves of fruit, right? According to the AD, uh, Australian Dietary Guidelines. How about we just start there? Can we track you away that amount of fruit and veg out across the day? Just set that as a minimum target. Can we just start aiming for that? Or you, you've never had vegetables before. Okay, let's start by just simply tracking a single serve of fruit and a single serve of veg. Now, it's not the ideal outcome, but we want to be progressing forward, right? So let's start with the lowest hanging fruits possible. Instead of going to all or nothing, let's go from one. Let's start with one plus one. Okay, now we've got two going. Now we've got three going. We're habit stacking. We're creating solutions. How do we know to do that if we weren't tracking the information? You can tell me you're having five pieces of uh, five uh, serves of fruit a veg a day, but if we look at your data and we look at your MyFitnessPal, we look at your chronometer, and we're simply seeing that you're having fiber bars and takeaway and rubbish food and nothing of nutritional quantity, we can then assess that and go, okay, so what is it against vegetables you don't like? Oh, I didn't know how to cook them or I've never enjoyed them before. I didn't know that these constituted vegetables. I didn't know what I was looking for. Okay, cool. Well, now we can teach you. Now you know that on a plate, we should probably have like a quarter of the plate at least consume some veg or salad or fruit. Okay, we see, you see how we start to develop through the sheer skill set of tracking information that we now start to develop a comprehensive understanding of the outcomes we're trying to achieve. And eventually, when you compound those skills over a period of time, we're not going to need to track everything forever. If you want to, you get to a point where, and this is where the word intuitive is just wrong. Once you've developed a skill set and a procedural understanding of operation, it's no longer it's no longer intuitive. It's not just coming to you naturally by nature and all of a sudden you've picked up this awesome idea. You are practicing what you would call uh, procedural memory. That is literally what we're doing here. We're, like tracking, uh, understanding your plate, understanding your food. It is a procedural learnt process. You're now understanding what we're looking for. It doesn't mean that we are taking away the value of food. We're not taking away social interaction. We're not taking away enjoyment or pleasure. These strange moral associations that we have with these, uh, these, these skills doesn't make sense. Understanding the petrol in your car doesn't mean you're taking away from the fun of driving it. That's not how that works. If I know that I've got 98 in the engine and I'm driving my car versus if I know, you know I'm either out of petrol or what have you, there is no positive or negative association other than I simply need more petrol. I need to put petrol in my car. I now know there's petrol in my car. Cool, I can drive it. That, that doesn't create any greater or worse outcome or pleasure sense when I'm driving my car. Same thing, bar the outliers of people, because you know we don't base everything on the outliers. We're simply looking at the normal person, which is the majority, that doing these things will actually create you a degree of freedom, which is only enacted through the skill of discipline. Learning to track these things and tracking other, even other metrics. That's not just about food. Tracking other metrics that we look for, like, you know, how often are you sleeping? Because we can see if we're genuinely concerned about the health of a client, that sleep is paramount to overall life health and longevity. Avoiding sleep, or if someone is not getting enough sleep, or the average is looking below seven to nine hours, we need to make interventional choices. That is clear as day. That is basic in the evidence. So if we know that, and we can track someone's sleep, 
And we can say, hey, from here, we should probably try and get that seven and a half up. Hey, like stop with the five hour nights or the four hour nights or playing the Sony through until 6 a.m. and then trying to wake up and go to work at seven. We can see those, those patterns, create trends and say, okay, we need to intervene on this. We need to make some changes. From a simple analysis of information, we're not attacking the person for their choice. We're not attacking the person for their behaviors, their actions. We're simply suggesting that right now, the way you're doing this is probably not working for the goal we're trying to achieve, which even if it's a general person is just health. Okay, getting two hours of sleep, five hours of sleep probably isn't ideal. Can we fix this? What do I need to do? Okay, can we start reducing your caffeine intake or your coffees or the high sugar coffees that you're having at five, six, seven o'clock at night and get you into a process of winding down to sleep a little bit earlier in the evening so you're in bed by nine o'clock instead of 1 a.m. Now, all of a sudden, you actually have a better grasp on your health. You're understanding what you're looking for. You're trying to control something. You have some metrics to measure and and break down and then implement or improve. Okay, so I know I'm under the five-hour sleep mark. Okay, let's try and get that to six. It doesn't mean you have to go straight from zero to 100 and you have to go to absolutism and this complete obsession with the information. This strange assumption that neuroticism is the only association to data tracking is just wrong. Once you have a baseline or a, a, a standard metric of assessment, from there we can make intervention and easy strategies to progress. Okay, what can you do to get a bit more protein in? What can you do to get another session in? Okay, so we know that across the last fortnight, you've only done 3,000 steps a day, which we know is well below the health metrics. Can we suggest another walk somewhere? What can we do outside? What can we get you going? What can we get around the block? What can we do to get you in the gym? Okay, so now we're training and you want to get improved muscle mass or improved bone skeletal density. Okay, how do we do that? Well, let's get into some resistance training. How many sessions a week are you doing? Are you getting stronger each week? Well, I don't know. Okay, can we start tracking some of your workouts? Can you do the same exercises each week, three times a week, and we'll track the amount that you're lifting? I can do that. Cool. Awesome. Now we have a baseline of data to amend and adjust down the track to make some very simple changes, control some variables, and now we have some improvements and progressions. Now you're increasing health. You're increasing increasing uh, skeletal muscle mass. You're now reducing earlier risks of, of, of being in the grave. We're improving health, which is the premise of what these people argue with that we're, that we're saying when, when tracking is bad or unnecessary or isn't helpful or is, is uh, triggering or anxiety triggering. We're literally achieving the very thing that you are saying that these people want to have. And that's not even worrying about the elite athlete or the general athlete who wants to go beyond the norm. Once we get outside of the gen pop and we start getting beyond those people, we absolutely need to start tracking something, tangible metrics to review what is working and what isn't. Just because someone has a physique goal that doesn't include the stage or a strength goal that doesn't include the platform or a meet, and just because they want to be able to lift things up and put them down in different places and really heavy and well done, doesn't mean that they, you know, just because they don't want to go on the strongman circuit, doesn't mean that a client can't come to us or someone can't come to us with an intense goal. Having those intense goals is more than welcome. You, can't, you shouldn't be talking someone out of that goal because you don't agree with it personally because, hey, not having a complete balanced total health is psychologically damaging or distorted or, or is somehow net negative, though this person extremely loves competitiveness and being able to drive themselves, work hard and track information. That's horrible. It's not. Just because we have those things, doesn't. if we have those goals, we absolutely should be keeping tabs of data and information to some degree. What metrics can we keep tabs on to make sure we're progressing? Training volume, sleep, nutritional intake, whether it be a plate portioning strategy or actual macros or calorie intake, 
Can we look at their daily activity, their daily sleep, what cardio they're doing? What's their resting heart rate? What's their resting blood pressure? All these things start to add up and they're very simple metrics to get. The only time I'm finding that people are really becoming triggered by it, I say the only time, we'll loosen that up. Most of the time, the question I have when I see that and people start to get anxious about those, those pieces of information, people say that the, the eating disorder originated from bodybuilding or tracking the nutrition or it was triggered by XYZ. Where was the baseline assessment prior to that event or the, the experience or exposure to dictate that that was the metric that created that change? Did you have any sort of psychological assessment prior to working with them, prior to taking them on as a client, prior to them being a being amongst that environment to say that that was the exact, the exact trigger or stimulus that created that outcome? Because if you haven't got that, you can't say that. Now, there are a lot of people that will say that bodybuilding caused X and this image issue came from Y. I'm going to tell you right now, most bodybuilders have some form of, of, of self-image issue, especially young men around muscle mass and the uh, muscle dysmorphia. Absolutely. However, it is a spectrum. We are looking at, okay, how detrimental is that? Is it obsessive to a degree that's ruined their life? Can we, is it used in a way that's productive and constructive? I want to be better. I want bigger muscle mass. I want to be progressing in my lifts. I want to get bigger shoulders, bigger legs. Great. If that is not used in the sense that I'm a POS and I shouldn't be here and I'm a loser because I'm not going to win or I'm, I'm worth nothing because I don't have big arms, Okay, intervene on that. But when someone is simply suggesting that I want to have bigger X or I don't like the way this looks or I want to be improved here, it's no different to a basketballer saying that I want to have a better jump shot. I want to have a better free throw. I want to have a better three-point line. Those things are perfectly okay to say, which is just self-assessment and critical review of their current performance. But when we say it in this sense, it is all of a sudden the end of the world and people are wrong and we have uh, neuroticies and, and psychological tendencies. I disagree. I disagree entirely. Now, it it is perfectly okay to have these goals and track these metrics and these data points outside of being an elite performer. Is it necessary to track all of them? No. But how do you know what you're capable of if you aren't tracking the information that needs to tell you you're either going forward or going backwards? How do you know? If you're essentially paying for someone to keep you stagnant and tell you that you're okay the way you are and you're doing things you want to do, and if that makes you feel great, cool. But if you want an actual result and you want to know what's working, you want to see what's paying off. If you're paying someone money and you're trying to achieve a specific thing, you should be at least looking for the metrics that are associated to that outcome and keep tabs of them. It's just, it's just common sense. It's just a basic logical conclusion. There's no emotion to it. There's no emotional attachment. It is not that, that tracking is right or wrong or good or bad. It's just logical. It's not, it's not an emotional uh, association that I think everyone is a POS because they don't track. I just don't comprehend that people suggest that it's wrong for everyone, that we simply have to avoid it entirely. And, and if you're not tracking things, or if you're, if you're tracking things, you're uh, psychologically distressed and you have high neurotic tendencies and you're, you're uh, showing high degrees of neuroticism or you have debilitating disordered behaviors, like it doesn't, it's not how it works. It's just not the way that it goes because we don't see in the financially successful in the financially very well off, we don't see these so-called associations of psychological disorders. Now, they might be financially literate and they might be quite uh, aware of their spending and be strict on their spending to increase the, the gap in their surplus to expenditure. That's logical. But we're not going around saying, oh, Warren Buffett, he is a 
that's that's why one highly neurotic man he is psychologically distressed we need to take care of him watch out for him because he is tracking his outcome and his his, his income and outgoings that is just not a statement that i've heard from anyone now is there something probably psychologically wrong with the very 1.0.01 percent of people who were worth that much money maybe they're probably very highly conscientious and want to be at the top and enjoy the competition of, of making money doesn't mean that they are neurotic and that they are you know borderline obsessive compulsive or have these debilitating disorder behaviors if their goal is to make money and their life revolves around income and making money and they're making lots of money i'd say they're good at their job they're good at what they do that isn't debilitating that isn't neurotic that this it, it just doesn't comprehend to me that we can look at objective measures with no emotional attachment to them, apply those emotions ourselves, and then dictate that everyone that does this is wrong or that the, the, the morality of doing this is negative and bad and people should be stopped for it. Who are we to project our personal subjective opinions on what is or isn't okay to others who enjoy what they do? Now, the other side of it, or another side to it, is the autonomy of a client or a person to make decisions. Just because there is a type of coach or a type of person who might be a very militant style uh, trainer or a coach who digs in, drives his clients, has a very boot camp style of way to go. For everyone, that's not great. Cool. But if you sign up to that and you've gone to that person, you've seen amongst his clients, amongst his, his followers, people who know him, that that's the general statement or the, the consensus of how he coaches. And you choose to go, you know, you know what? I don't need someone to give me freedom and give me all of this uh, mindfulness and give me a plate to work. I need to be told exactly what to do because in my past 30 years, I've had the freedom and I didn't make the choices that I wanted. I didn't make the choices to get better. I didn't make choices, the right choices I should have made. Now this coach or this person is going to give me, narrow my options. He's going to give me limitations and boundaries to work in and he's going to push me in a direction I've never been before. Okay, cool. You're free to make that choice. You're free to then follow the information that he suggests and you track or keep tabs on. Okay, weigh yourself. If you find that weighing yourself is directly, absolutely 100% causing anxiety and anxious related responses, triggering insecurities and causing a whole bunch of problems, rather than just stopping and going to another coach who's going to talk about mindfulness and talk about uh, acceptance and talk about you know, getting a mindset coach or what have you and working your way through it, I would suggest actually getting clinical psychological assistance. Because there is a potential that there is something underlying there that was only found through that trigger. Now, that isn't the direct fault of metric tracking. That would be potentially an underlying issue that was exacerbated by the behavior, but it was already there to begin with. That doesn't mean that the causality was the action. It is just potentiated by the fact that this action triggered something in you that was potentially already there or in other areas. And now it's come forward here, you should probably discuss it with someone a bit more professional than someone who's in the mindset space or someone who's in the, the acceptance, just simply track, don't worry about tracking anything, you'll find the way you are, it's perfectly okay. At the end of the day, if you wanted to achieve a specific outcome, which was to pull weight down or improve health or improve consumption of something, get more of this in and more of that in, you're, you're going to have to track something. And if, if tracking this is causing a problem, but tracking your your expenditure, tracking your finances, tracking your petrol tank, tracking your electricity bill, tracking your progress at work, tracking any assessment from your boss, tracking reports you have to do, 
assignments, your progressions through university, through your degree, whatever it is. If none of those things are causing this, but this is, then there's potentially something there you need to work on. Sometimes when we take, when we, when we really look at these things that are causing these problems and we take it with a, a, a sense of ownership and we look at the brain and what it's trying to say, hey, why is this causing a problem? There is potential there that's telling us something that might be truthful. There, there is an, there's potential that there is a, an incongruence between what we thought and what the reality is. And that's causing a very harsh re- reflection for us to take on board that, hey, this is actually not what we thought. This is not good. Oh, I don't want to hear that. That's bad. Well, of course you don't want to hear it. Perhaps you've been told by other people over here that, you know, you're great the way you are. Now you've taken this step to track some things and this information's all of a sudden put reality in your face and now you don't want to hear it. You don't want to see it. That's not the, the information's fault per se. There's, there was something there that you weren't already aligned with or happy with and now it's caused or exacerbated a problem that might be worth exploring or digging into. What is it about this number or this metric that created a problem? Now, for the people that actually have deteriorating, debilitating behaviors and associations psychologically around anxiety and securities and these things that come from those problems, those, those sorts of things, absolutely. Let's find out a way to achieve that goal without tracking those things. Okay, but we don't treat everyone that is not the outlier as the outlier. We are not, if, if someone is if someone is speeding and they do 65 kilometers an hour in a 60 zone, we don't all of a sudden change everyone's speed limits because of that one person. We find that person and leave things where they are because he, that, he or she was the outlier speeding in that speed zone. So why would we look at this any different really? We're going to make, we're going to suggest that everyone should not do this because a few people might be upset or exacerbated or triggered or cause problems from their anxieties associated to metric tracking. It doesn't make sense. There is no objective or there is no subjective emotional moral attachment to data. Data simply is. It is when we apply emotions or are triggered by emotions and reaction to those data points that there is a problem. And for the extremities, the outliers, there are obviously debilitating or psychological disorders associated with that. It can exacerbate things like uh, obsessive compulsion. Absolutely take care of that. Be mindful of those situations. To insinuate that data tracking exacerbates all people with obsessive compulsion or obsessive neurotic life behaviors, we would see that every single person that has ever done it across the spectrum of time should have relatively a similar outcome in that interaction. We don't. And if, if I am wrong, please send me the data that says that is exactly what has happened because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen where information tracking across time has led to every single person who's tracked information develop obsessive compulsion. It's just not what occurs. There are some, not all. They are the exception to the rule, not the rule. So if we can get a result, we can we can use, we simply track the information necessary to the goal we're trying to achieve, which can then give us indications of what can be manipulated and variables to be manipulated in order to achieve that outcome better or make a specific change or make a difference to the outcome of the equation we're trying to solve or achieve or get to or finish. That's really all that is going to do because otherwise we are simply literally guessing 
And we are already guessing with most of this as it is. Logically, this should be your maintenance. Logically, this should be your training output. Logically, this should be your sets and reps. Logically, this should be your food intake. You should probably stop spending so much. This should realistically be your hold savings account. Can you balance your books on this? Okay, if we know that, now we can, like, if we have those things, we've got some baselines of data. Did that work? Yes, I did hold my weight at that calories. Okay, we now got maintenance. Did you drop body fat though? Nah, still relatively look the same. Okay, what can we do differently to drop more body fat? Okay, we're gonna be in a bit more of a deficit. Okay, cool. Let's enter that deficit. Is that working? Yes, sweet, there we are. Are you feeling full? Are you losing muscle tissue? Okay, can we up our protein? Are you training hard enough? What does your training volume look like? What does your training set capacity look like? What exercises are we doing specifically to achieve a certain outcome? All these things are just simply man manipulated by the data that we've got, or we can manipulate them by the data that we've got. So it doesn't make sense that we attack data itself that is a morally neutral, objective metric that has no agenda, moral or ethical against you. It just simply is. And this is the reason why it's so important that we, that we encourage things like stoicism is because there is no emotional attachment to this specific number. If it is a piece of information you don't like to see, I would ask why. If there's a genuine psychological problem associated with the fact that you're doing this, seek help for it. But simply, simply avoiding the responsibility of tracking some information that can give you a specific outcome or put something in front of you that you may not want to see, that is a problem to me. That's not helpful. That's we are, we are coddling people and pretending that these these things don't exist. Or well, if I don't want to see weight increase, I just want to track myself. Okay, but if your weight is going up and your health is going down, there's issues associated. We should probably keep an idea on that. Okay, my blood pressure is escalating. Well, don't track your blood pressure because that's going to cause some problems because now we know that your blood pressure is going up and you're sick. But now I need to know that my blood pressure is up so I can know how to get it back down. Well, what are you doing to bring that back down? Well, I'm taking medication, supplementation. I'm doing cardiovascular work. Okay, well, how much? I don't know. Not tracking it. See, you can, you can kind of achieve a similar outcome by avoiding metric tracking, but you're going to limit your ability to be accurate and how much, how how quickly you achieve it, how specifically you achieve it. Are you even in the ballpark? Are you even in the right direction? Is it working? Can I modify something? Does something you can't change those things out of guesswork? It it doesn't work that way. You know, people aren't writing codes for AI or computing or gaming or digital pieces of information randomly. They are tracking the zeros and the ones. They are writing the zeros and ones. That is giving them the image. When we look at the matrix, it is not the matrix as in the movie. When they look at the coding, the numbers and the data are painting them the picture. That to me is literally what we're doing with information. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's not like it's not out to get you. It's not out to bring you down. It just simply is saying, hey, this is what the scenario is. When we have that information, we can make all the changes we need to. We can make less changes, more changes, we significant changes, micro changes, gradual progressions, heavier progressions. We can, at, at that point, then start to teach someone. And this is a metric that I use. As you've probably seen in some of our other philosophy or, or like training philosophy type ideas. I use the data and the metrics to educate someone as to why a specific outcome occurred. So when I say, hey, did you notice that you... Your toilet behavior improved, your bowel movements improved, your digestion felt better, and you felt less groggy or you felt less bloated when we increased our fiber intake and started having more whole fr uh, fruit and vegetables. 
Yes. Okay. Here is why. This is fibers interaction in our digestive pathway. This is what soluble and insoluble fibers are. This is what it does. And this is what we're trying to aim to achieve by consuming it. Can you consume more regularly? Yeah, probably can. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Let's start with that. How much water are you having? Do you notice that you feel lethargic and you feel tired and you feel exhausted and run down and you're training before the session's lack and you don't have a pump when you don't have water? Yes. Okay. Can we have two liters a day? Yep. Sweet. That is it. That is that is the benefit that comes from when we when we use data as a non-morality-based metric and we can simply educate someone when, when things are occurring, we can teach them. So eventually at a certain point, they don't need to think about the tracking. It becomes an ingrained behavior not obsessively, not neurotically. It is not compulsive. It is just simply a learned process. You aren't compulsive about riding your bike. You aren't compulsive about how to ride to drive your car. You aren't compulsive about skateboarding. Yet I could probably do all three of those things without really thinking about it. I could just do it. Even after 10 years of not riding a bike, I could probably go ride a bike pretty well, pretty safely in a matter of a few minutes. That is what we're trying to achieve with clients when we're encouraging the use of data to educate and facilitate change. We can use the data to teach and from teaching, learn to evoke and with evoke, we can then ingrain and eventually become subconsciously routine. That is the premise. We know now what a plate looks like. We know now what a bowl of vegetables look like. We know now what whole grain carbohydrates to look for. We know now that we probably shouldn't be having a pizza, a pizza box every night. And we should probably learn to cook some different varieties of foods. Well, how did you learn to cook foods? Oh, well, I had a few different meal plans. I had a few different meal strategies. I was looking at making some things I enjoyed, but I learned to make sure that I was consuming it through a different type of protein. Instead of buying a takeaway because I was spending too much money, every night I want a takeaway, I was balancing my budget and buying the, my groceries weekly and choosing to make it at home. And I could make it in more bulk and it was cheaper that way. I could buy a $2 bag of rice that would make 20 meals versus buying a special fried rice every night because I wanted rice and that was costing me five, 10 bucks. Just, just having those skill sets takes time, and to take and to get those skill sets, we are practicing using the data that we have and the metrics that we're having to implement those changes or the strategies, so someone knows what's going on. So we're using data, not in an obsessively compulsive neurotic fashion, simply creating a way in which the data helps facilitate education, and the education allows a person to step away from the data. Until the, if they are not an elite athlete or an elite sportsman, or they're not a, a goal oriented person outside of just simply improving health, we can use the data to teach, educate, and upskill to facilitate change. If they go beyond that and they have specific outcomes, we can measure what is measured, can be manipulated, can be changed to achieve an outcome. As cliche as that sounds, that what that is what we can do with it. And if someone is on board with that and they are fine with it, they are working well, everything's going to plan, there is no signs of debilitating behaviors or psychological disorders, then it's it's good to go. It keeps working. And now we have optimal data. We can look at all the information we need to. And you know what? For a period of time, I want you to practice free tracking. I want you to practice having free meals. I want you to make your own meal plans, your own strategies, put your own templates together. I want you to tell me about how your training data subjectively feels. You're now using the information that we've put together, the information that we've got, the, the data that we've tracked to create knowledge and education, and now eventually get to a point where someone has their own decision, their own free will, their autonomy as a client, which apparently these people encourage and, and push for with the non-tracking realm that we want clients to have autonomy and freedom. Well, now they've got that, and now they're choosing whether or not they want to keep working. Do they want to keep tracking information? Yeah, I want a bigger outcome. Okay, keep tracking information. Are you happy with where you are? Sweet, step away. We can put in some, some tools in place to maintain what you've got, to learn how to uh, sustain the changes, 
to learn how to hold the muscle mass to keep a condition without dropping and still include food you like. But we also have to be on top of the fact that if you start feeling like the body fat is increasing or you're doing too, like you're consuming too much or you're feeling worse, jump back onto the tracking, jump back onto the scale, see how you're looking, take photos, track something. Okay, now I know that I'm I'm stepping backwards. That all that does is empowering you to take ownership of the outcome you're trying to achieve and facilitate the change you want in controlled, measurable, specific outcomes. That is all the data is doing. So this weird association or this this weird discussion at the moment that that data tracking or information tracking is the end of the world and and coaches who encourage it are just the worst type of bodybuilding, psychologically inept, damaged, distorted people doesn't make sense. It's not how these these criterias are actually used. People are learning, they're watching too many married at first sites and every other reality show, if you'll even call it that, finding some cliche, catchy words that are around the psychological domain and thinking that is defining every single behavior that puts them on blast. Oh, this per like someone talked about ownership. That's extreme. That is neurotic. I'm not responsible for what happened to me. This is not my fault. I can't own that someone punched me once or that this is my direct reason that I got here. Okay, but what happens if you do apply some ownership? What if you do take take stock of the food you've consumed? You're right. Maybe you weren't born as someone who's into a family that's nutritionally literate and fit. But have you learned how to look at the food on your plate? Have you tracked the food on your plate? Have you tracked what you eat for a week? These are these these tools are literally just to help. There are tools for the job. No different to using a hammer at the right time, a jackhammer at the right time, a brick saw at the right time, a screwdriver at the right time. It's just amongst our realm, it is associated to a specific physiological outcome that you want to achieve. And when done properly, it can be psychologically sustaining, if not improving. If we look at motivation through the means of tracking we are developing skills. We are dis dis displaying to a client or to a person that they have the competency to achieve something that they want to set out and do. We are facilitating education, which will teach autonomy. So they are learning how to do things on their own and not need a coach. And we're keeping them a part of a team or a group. They are part of other people that are striving to progress themselves. So they're feeling related to that demographic of people. You have literally facilitated the the basic pillars of self-determination theory and intrinsically driving someone to sustain the changes that they want. That's just part of the process. That's really all that is. You literally use psychology to help people understand what they're trying to do and get a specific outcome and facilitate the change they want through tracking some numbers and keeping tabs of some data. Fair enough. Don't go to the absolute extreme and track every single thing you possibly imagine. But the more that you know, the more that you can do. The more that you can do, the more you can change. The more you can change, the better result you get because we know what's going on. If there was only one part of your car or your engine that you were checking when you sent it to the mechanic, but there's a bunch of other things that were red-lighted and going off, you'd probably be pretty concerned. That's all this is. The more we have, the more the more data points we have, or the data points necessary to what we're trying to do, the more we understand what's going on, we can make change. That's it. I don't see the morality associated with tracking metrics and tracking information. And I don't see the issues associated with these things. Though I know they exist in some people, we cannot use the some people to cross-associate or cross-correlate the, the some people with everybody and therefore it's wrong. That's just not how it works. That's not how a psychological diagnosis works, not how a spectrum of behavior works. Not Just because people are tracking some food or understanding what goes on their plate. That's not 
neurotic. It is not psychologically damaging. No one bats an eyelid when we don't track a single ounce of our food. We just eat Tim Tams, pies, and a croissant for breakfast. No one says a word. Oh, you could probably be a little bit healthier. Okay, cool. No one says a thing. This Just because you've started to improve health-conscious behaviors in a structured manner does not immediately facilitate the... doesn't immediately lead to neurotic. Now, there, there can be some neuroticeses that exist and you have, but that is why it's not a single one option diagnosis. There is a criterium. There is a spectrum. There's generally a scorecard. There's generally a, a tick a, bo- a boxes to tick. Okay, you're displaying a lot more neurotic behaviors than not, and it's debilitating for the rest of your life. Let's figure this out. Yeah, it makes sense, 100%. Go deal with that. Take care of that. But that's not how that works for everyone. It's not how that is for everyone just because they're tracking some information. It's the point of trying to get across. Stop taking catchy words you've learned from some random married at first sight or some, I don't even know, reality TV, if you want to call it that, and saying that you've heard this word and that's all of a sudden what this is. It's not. You are not neurotically damaged. You're not neurotic or highly neurotic. You are not uh, psychopathic. You are not uh, debilitating and distorted in your behaviors. You are not ruining your life because you're worrying about some information. You are simply trying to make progress in the most logical, sound, sustainable way possible by keeping tabs of information and, and responding to the data when it needs responding to. When you apply emotion and you respond by emotion, something will probably go wrong. If you look at the metrics tangibly as objective measures and nothing more and react according to the data, you will generally achieve a pretty significant outcome in a pretty sustainable fashion, If you, especially if you're learning along the way. As we said, autonomy, competence, relatedness. You do those three things, you're probably going to sustain what you're trying to achieve and enjoy along the way. You're going to make it a lot more intrinsic in what you're trying to do. That is going to be the way that you sustain the behaviors. You have motivated yourself to enjoy what you're doing. And now you've got new skills and new abilities and new lifestyles that you enjoy, you're looking forward to, you are liking. It's something you're excited about. Off you go. That is part and parcel of what comes with tracking if done properly. By all means, there can be wrong ways to do it. But if that's what we're doing and we do it in the in a sense that is progressive, constructive, supportive, then we are literally improving people's lives more often than not. And in the not, take care of it. Stop pretending it doesn't exist. Oh, this thing triggered it, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Okay, if driving cars caused PTSD or caused you to feel anxiety and you locked up while you're driving, would you pretend it didn't exist or go get treated for it and see someone to help you treat that problem? You'd probably see someone to help you treat the problem so that you can go back to driving. Do you want to be afraid of food forever? Do you want to be afraid of exercise forever? Do you want to be afraid of the gym forever? At a certain point, just saying that this system or this coach or this tool caused that problem, okay, not all tools in that system or not all coaches in that system or not all problems or outcomes are going to lead to exactly that. So treat that. What was their underlying first? Was there something there? Was there a preconceived idea? Was there preconceived problems? Was there a predisposition to this response? All right, if that's the case, did you do a psychological screen before you work with anyone? Did you Have you ever assessed yourself for any problems? Have you ever noticed these across, uh, across different fields or realms of your lifestyle? If not, okay, why that one thing in particular? Can we work on it? How do we work on it? What are we looking for? Can we speak to someone to help out? But that isn't everyone. So point being, to finish the ramble, is that we are simply looking to track the information necessary for us to understand our point of progress, the direction we're taking, 
and then use that to manipulate a specific outcome that we're trying to achieve and learn about it along the way. When you can combine education with excitement, with motivation, with enjoyment, and un- and get to where you're trying to get to by also appreciating the progress along the way because we are process and performance outcome driven, sorry, process and performance driven, we can then achieve a specific outcome and feel good about all three along the way. We can feel good about the whole process. We're not just associating how good we feel based on that one outcome. We are using metrics and we are enjoying the process. We are facilitating change. We are in, we are being educated and learning and developing knowledge and skills, implicit abilities along the way to sustain the behaviors that we have made or to build a physique or a goal or a strength number or a performance outcome that 99% of the rest of the world don't want to do. And that comes is part and parcel with tracking some form of information, just something. Learning to track what's necessary to what you're trying to achieve will help facilitate that outcome. It's that simple. Now, obviously, there's going to get some kickback. I don't really care. I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of hearing how net negative it is when people don't understand the words they're saying. Most people probably couldn't even tell you what neurotic is. They couldn't even tell you what neuroticism is. They couldn't even tell you what the big five personality traits are. But they'll happily say that word and tell you this is a consequence of tracking your sleep and weight or that you have distorted behaviors and psychological disorders because you are conscious about the amount of food you put in your mouth and you want to be, you are generally regimented around your food or you're regimented around your lifestyle and your training. So in other words, to me, you're highly conscientious. You are a highly conscientious functioning person who doesn't like to lose or who doesn't like to miss a meal, miss a plan, miss a program, won't step off the, won't deviate from the strategy, doesn't like to go out. Your social life doesn't actually involve drinking or partying or going out with friends everywhere. You're a pretty introspective, uh, uh, introverted person who enjoys isolationism a bit and likes to be on their own train, think, be amongst other people like you when it comes to it. If if we're using someone else's metric of assessment of total health and happiness and 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 holistic completion, that that perspective from someone who isn't us is going to then dictate to us that we're wrong or that we're not doing something right or there's something wrong with us because we aren't X. Reality is it is a life you enjoy if you are happy, if you are content, if you are satisfied, if you're progressing, if you're moving forward, if you aren't debilitating those around you, if you aren't harming yourself and others. If you are living a life in the way that you have decided that is good for you and you enjoy and you are getting better at it, you're getting better at life, you're progressing, which mind you, I found with almost 99% of my clients when they start to interact with these behaviors, that's the outcome that occurs, then keep doing you. That's really all you get. Like that, that's really it. Just keep doing that because at a certain point, you're just getting better. Like you're getting better at what you do and what you like. And eventually you'll not, you won't need to track everything. You won't need to be obsessively compulsive or neurotic. Apparently you won't be dangerously psychologically uh, damaged. You have learned skills. You can sustain them. You enjoyed it. You have these new environments and routines and habits, or you've already got those habits and routines. You're now just enjoying them more, or you're just getting better at them. That all is part and parcel of the process. It's not someone else's job to tell you how you should or shouldn't live unless you are literally psychologically diagnosed with a disorder, with a problem, with a debilitating behavior. If you're showing showing, showing absolute symptoms and signs of that, of that criteria, if you are ticking off the spectrum, absolutely get it checked out. Just because someone is telling you that that's not how you're supposed to live or it's not... Uh, completely or holistically totally healthy or that that's not what they would say is a a complete life who gives a fuck who gives a shit what they are saying 
They do not get to determine whether you are enjoying what you do or don't do. They don't get to tell you that what you're doing is wrong just because you want to keep some extra information and they don't. I don't, most of the time, I wouldn't give a shit if no one said anything and just let it be. I don't care. Coach how you want, coach your thing. But when you start telling people that everything, that, that this realm of coaching is wrong or that it's not necessary, it's debilitating, it's dangerous, it's obsessive, it's going to absolutely create this outcome of a specific uh, tendency, I draw a line because it's not what it actually does. It's not what it's doing. It's not what it says. It's not anywhere written that that's actually what's going to occur. There are obviously outliers and uh, problems because nothing is absolute, but you don't base everything on the outlier. So to wrap that up, that is a massive ramble. I just realized the time, but obviously I had a bit to say. Um, this is going to go really well in conjunction with the next episode where I want to talk about um, our take on mindsets to apply to training and life. We look at ownership, responsibility, stoicism, emotional regulation, um, and a growth versus fixed perspective. So I'm going to dive a bit into that um, as the next episode. So keep an eye out for that one. But again, that'll be interesting to uh, join with this episode in regards to um, you know, keeping tabs of data, tracking information, weight management, et cetera, goal progression. Ownership will become pretty heavy amongst that. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And we will talk about a bit more of that episode when it comes up. That is all from me. And I will talk to you guys later.